morning, I would ask the same from you, is this, that you would be able to just kind of hone in on what we're getting ready to talk about. And as a preacher, you know, I wish I was a teacher, but I'm a preacher. And sometimes I just go here, there, and everywhere, and I just hope you can hang on this morning um, with what I'm uh, speaking, because this word, honestly, to me, is very exciting. And when I get excited, I have a hard time keeping on track. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for the worship. Lord, your promises are yes and amen. And Lord, that you don't forget your people. It's, it's not like, as you say in Isaiah, that would a mom forget a, a baby who she's feeding on her breast? And, and it's like, no, man, how much more will you not forget us? And God, we are your bride. And you are the groom, Lord, and you provide everything that we need. And so I ask you this morning that you would take your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would, would uh, cause it to grow and to increase. Father, there are people in here that need you desperately this morning. I am one of those, Lord, that in every area of my life, there's not one area that I don't need you to be Lord of it. And so, Lord, if I've taken back any of those areas, Lord, I just ask your forgiveness. And just say, Lord, I surrender all. And I pray that all of us would be able to surrender our all before you, Jesus. And Lord, there is love in your eyes. And we sang about that this morning, Lord, that there is love in your eyes, Lord. And so, Lord, would you remember your people this morning? Would you remember your church as if you need to be reminded? We ask that you would bless this word this morning and that you would speak to us. And I ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. You know, as I begin to start, the title of the message this morning is Prayer Answered. And I've often looked at the book of Nehemiah of great encouragement, even as a young believer. I was saved in a Pentecostal church. And one of the things that we always, we crazy Pentecostals did is we prayed before church. We actually, we had a prayer room that was set aside that you would go and you would just cry out to God and you would be asking God to move in that service. And I was a part of a a church that grew from probably 100 to 500, not overnight because this church had been established. But I believe it was because young people and old people together would seek God in a prayer room and He would meet us. We would have powerful services. God would show up. His presence would show up. But one thing that I remember praying, and if I wasn't so foolish to pray it, but I did, was Lord... I want my life, and I pray for others, that we would go outside the four walls of this building. We had just built a phenomenal church. It's still standing, going strong, stronger than it was uh, 20 years ago, which is pretty exciting for me. But I prayed this prayer in innocence and on my knees, begging God, let us go outside the four walls of this church. And then little did I know there was this book called Nehemiah that it kind of warns you is watch out what you pray for. Because I, as I began to pray and ask God that not only I, but everyone would go out the four walls, He began to speak to me and say, you need to go out the four walls of the church. You need to be sharing the gospel with others. And I stepped out in faith and did that. 
And we see that in the book of Nehemiah. Last week, I'll review just real quick. This Nehemiah's heart was broken for the things that broke God's heart. Then as we talked about this, he got some news from his brothers that said, Hey, um, Jerusalem is in a quagmire. It's a reproach to the nations. The walls are torn down. And Nehemiah, remember we talked about it, he had great influence. And that he could have stayed where he was at as a cupbearer because he, he had the king's attention every day. Instead, he chose to forsake the king's palace, and we're going to get ready to see that this morning because his heart was broken. He chose not to live a life that was centered around himself instead of around God's people, around God's purpose. And then we see in Nehemiah, Nehemiah's prayer. And we look to that, it's verses 5 through 11, and then not only that, but he prayed and he fasted for some time. And so sometimes I was talking this um, week with someone, and I said, so often we have become this society that, that seems to think that we can just stand there and it's crept into our church, and just receive the blessings of God. Now, I'm not talking about working for our salvation. We know that, that our righteousness is through Christ alone. But we are standing here, we're waiting for God to move, but we're not doing anything about it. Instead, we're complaining, we're murmuring, We're backbiting, we're pointing fingers, instead of allowing the things that are breaking God's heart to break our heart. And we see that Nehemiah did this through prayer and fasting. And there are two responses. And we're going to talk about one response this morning. That I could sit on the sideline and just say, woe is me and I'm not going to do anything. Or you could go the other way and say, I'm going to do whatever I can. And remember I said this, and I probably don't record it. Uh, I usually kick butt and take names later. And I joke that way, and I really don't do that, but often I act like it. But Nehemiah sought the face of God. His heart was broken. And not only did he say the sons of Israel have sinned, but we have sinned. I have sinned. He took it upon himself. And remember last week I shared that the prophets of old never blamed the society. They put themselves right in the middle of it and said, Lord, I have sinned. We as a people have sinned. And that's what Nehemiah did. And so this week we come to the um, second chapter And so I'm going to hit three points this morning. And really, if you know me as a preacher, you could probably just leave right here because this sums it all up. But the first point is don't be in a rush. The second is be wise or don't be in such a hurry. The second is be wise in what you say and how you say it. And the third is the king's army is with you. And you guys, you know this, you men know this. And there are some ladies out that are just like this. You get a new toy, right? Something that you have to put together. And so you bring it home, and this is the way I am. So I'm kind of telling on myself. Or I see a project, and I'm like, i got to tackle that project. Like, not tomorrow, but right now. And so you get this big toy, or whatever you want to call it, a, a, a bike, or whatever you have to put together. 
And there's an instruction manual, right? Right next to it. Now, I know that there are some good people, I work with them as elders, that they read directions well before they do anything. So you guys are in good hands. But with me, I look at these instructions and I put them right down and I begin to work. And then I'm working and I'm trying to put this thing together. I don't know where this screw goes, but I know it's a long screw. There's a little screw and the long screw must go here. And then I just begin to tackle it. And then I break the thing. And then I begin to kick myself saying, man, that was $200. And why didn't I look at the instruction book and instead? So I take the thing back or I need a new thing. And usually they're nice enough. I think they know that there are men like that out there. They just do things without reading the instruction manual. So they better have an extra one for us. So then I get home. I open up the box and I say, here, honey, read this to me. And then we begin to go through it together. And we begin to do it. But isn't that the way we treat life's problems? We see a problem. And if you're like me, you want to fix it right away. You don't really look at the circumstances. You don't really think about what's going on. You just want to fix a problem. And you see it. And I think we're going to learn something from the book of Nehemiah. Some good things this morning. Of not to be like me. And not to be in such a rush when we want to do things. So let's read. We'll start. I don't think I have this in the notes. But if you turn your Bible for you people that carry your Bible still. Or your phones. Or your iPads. Or your laptops. Whatever you brought this morning. We want to meet your need. So, Nehemiah 1, verse 11 says this. It says, O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name or revere your name. And make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Notice something. He says, give your servant favor, success today. And grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer of the king. Then we'll go on to chapter 2. And it came about in the month of Nisan, which is April. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. The wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me. Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Some versions say this is nothing but depression. And then I was much afraid. And I would read on, but we're going to stop there for time's sake. And I would encourage you to take the book of Nehemiah and read it as we start the this, this series and we're second week into it is to read through it and see the progression, because I don't want to stop the progression this morning, but we have to stop for a moment. Is There is four months that passed from Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. Remember, it said, Now it happened in the month of Chislev, which is December. And then here we go. He prayed and fasted, and he mourned and 
Again, we want to see problems and we want to jump into it. And our society today has a problem with authority. And I hear it all the time. is like we're teaching this next generation coming up is to make your voice loud and proud and don't worry about what others think. We don't see that in the book of Nehemiah. So four months had passed. And it's funny that he would pray, and your servant, may he find and make your servant successful today. Today. But four months had passed. It doesn't say exactly how long Nehemiah fasted and prayed, but he sought God. And I don't know about you, but I love confrontation. And I love it quickly. But yet, when I look at the book of Nehemiah, how wrong have I been? And so he said he took up the wine because he was the cupbearer of the king. And it makes this point very clear. I had not been sad in the presence of the king. So four months have passed. Again, I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself, but four months have passed. He's been in the presence of the most powerful man on this, in this world. But his face has not been sad. But the king said to him, Why is your face sad, but you are not sick? This is depression of heart, then I was much afraid. Now Esther, chapter 4, verse 11, we have to look at that real quick for context. And again, the book of Esther should come before the book of Nehemiah, just in case you were wondering. But this is why Nehemiah become much afraid. It says this in verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court who is not summoned, He has but one law that he be put to death. Unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. And the reason I turn to Esther and we look at what this is, and we all know the story of Esther, how she feared, and even she prayed and fasted before she came to the king. And what Nehemiah did here was phenomenal. And as we're going to look throughout the book of Nehemiah, he was no, nowhere else do we find that Nehemiah was afraid. And actually we'll see that Nehemiah faced great opposition. But he became afraid. But you see, there's something that happened. He was not in a rush. And how can we apply this to our life today is I don't know what you're going through. I don't know who you need to confront. But it goes with a teacher and a pupil or a a boss and an employer or a mom and a dad with a child. Is that we should take a lesson from Nehemiah that he didn't rush in to fix the problem, but instead he sought God and he waited upon God's answer. And then the story is just going to unfold even more. See, when you are prayed up, fear may be a factor, but it will not consume you. 
When you are prayed up, fear will maybe, if not always, be a factor, but it will not cripple you. And I don't know what kind of situation you're in. But if it's your job, your future, your finances, you don't know. You don't have to fear. I want to encourage you to seek God and do as Nehemiah did and wait. Wait upon the Lord. So point number two is be wise in what you say and how you say it. So let's read on. Verses 3 through 8. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the king, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? Then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I said to the king, if it please the king and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Now, I want to point out something. I want you to flow with me just for the moment. Is it not one time in the Scripture did he say Jerusalem? And I want to tell you why. Because any word that King Artaxerxes said was law. Fifteen years ago, fifteen years have passed, and he halted the work of God. So let's look at Ezra chapter 4 verses 17 through 23. And again, so often I like to keep Scripture in context. So that's what I'm trying to do this morning. Is it said this, Then the king sent an answer to Rehum. You know how I am with names. The commander. To Shemshai the scribe and to the rest of their colleagues who live in Samaria. And in the rest of the provinces beyond the river. Peace and now. The document which you sent to us has been translated and read before me. A decree has been issued by me and a search has been made. It has been discovered that this city has risen up against the kings in past days. The rebellion and revolt have been perpetuated in it. The mighty kings have ruled over Jerusalem, governing all the provinces beyond the river, and that tribute, custom, and toll were paid to them. So now issue a decree, and this is Artaxerxes saying this, to make these men stop work, that that this city may not be rebuilt until a decree is issued by me. Beware of being negligent in carrying out this matter. Why should damage increase to the detriment of the kings? Then as soon as the copy of King Artaxerxes' document was read before uh, Reham and Shemshai, the, the scribe and their colleagues, they went in haste to Jerusalem, to the Jews, and stopped them by force of arms. This is why we don't need to be in such a rush. I don't know if you've had bad bosses. I don't even know if you've had bad husbands. I don't even know if you've had bad wives. But you know how it is. When you have a boss, 
or somebody who just will not listen to what you're saying. And so if you think about it, this king, Artaxerxes, he stopped the work. So Nehemiah knew how to talk to him on two fronts. He didn't mention Jerusalem. And then he brought up the tombs and the gates. And then he brings them up again. Because he brings it up in verse 5, the father's tombs. Did you know that this kingdom, they revered the grave? So Nehemiah knew not to say Jerusalem, and he knew to talk about the graves. And I want you to think this morning, and this is just a practical thing that you can put into your life and just kind of put it somewhere, is to know how to talk to people when you have problems. You see, so often that we want to run into a problem, we want to blast what we want to say, and we're not really calculating what we need to say in order to, to find favor with somebody like Nehemiah does here. And my wife knows me well. And I won't tell myself how she knows me well. But she knows how to get to me. She knows how to say something in such a way to get me to react. And some of you are saying, why is he telling on himself? I don't know. I just do that. But she knows my heart. She knows the word that this man needs to hear in order to get her way. And relationships are like that, aren't they? And I want us to look at how Nehemiah handled this situation. He saw a great problem. The, the walls needed to be rebuilt. Instead of rushing into it, he waited on God. And then he knew how to talk. And you know what? I've had some bad bosses. And I've been a bad boss. And there's nothing like hearing sweet nothings in my ear to settle me down. And so, we need to be careful how we speak to those in authority. Then the king said to me in verse 6, we'll go on. The king said to me, the queen sitting beside him. And this word queen, it does say queen, but what it means is a close intimate friend, a contact, or somebody that counsels. And it's kind of weird that they would put this into the scripture, but Nehemiah did, and he said, The queen was right there, and the king said to me, How long will your journey be? And when will you return? You see, what Nehemiah was asking was something that was so big that any king in the past, and, and King um, Artaxerxes knew that this could mean rebellion. He already said it in Ezra. But a good leader sees a couple things. He noticed that Nehemiah's heart was sad. And I told you, I'm going a hundred places this morning. And then he asked the question, How long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. And I gave him a definite answer. You see, so often... We see a problem, 
we want to fix that problem, but we have no answer how to fix that problem. But see, this is why waiting is so important. And then we see uh, Nehemiah, why he waited, because a plan was beginning to take place in his heart and his mind. Can you imagine... If the king asks the, the key questions, is how long will your journey be? And when will you return? Can you imagine if Nehemiah just said, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, my heart's broken. No way, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have flew. And Nehemiah had a plan in place. Because it says, I gave him definite time. And then Nehemiah goes on and he said this, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let the letters be given me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple. For the wall of the city and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. As we see here in scripture, the Nehemiah knew what was coming. And so as he had a plan in place, he also knew the right questions to ask of the king. And he said, this is what I'm going to need from you, king. I'm going to need a letter so that I can pass. Not only am I going to need a letter so that I can pass, I need a letter to the guy that can give me the wood to rebuild the walls. Why is this so important for us today? It's because Nehemiah heard God's plan. And you see... We too can walk in the same authority if we've done the same thing. There's lots of things that I want to do in life. There's lots of plans that are churning in my mind and in my heart. And I don't think Nehemiah was much different. But he chose to wait. And because he chose to wait, he knew the right questions to ask. And can you imagine... If Nehemiah, as soon as he got out of the capital, Susa, he was going to face opposition. He was going to have to face borders. And as I was thinking about this this week, my friends are going from Turkey to Germany this week, and they're going to have to pass multiple borders. They are not going to get past the borders unless they have their passport to get past them. That is what Nehemiah knew he needed. It wasn't just enough to know the king was behind him. He needed the king's letter and the king's permission. And can you imagine him going to Asaph and saying, Hey, I need wood to rebuild the wall. And he's saying, On what authority are you going to rebuild the wall? And then what authority am I going to give you the wood to rebuild it? Why would I do that? And then I can imagine Nehemiah just pulling out that card and saying, Look here. I've got authority. I've got power. I've got the king's seal. He knew what he was doing. So let's go on to 
point three. The king's army is with you. This is a very important point for us to look at this morning. And it's verse 9 to 10. Then I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. When Sunbalit and the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. And I would like to say, and I don't mean to be crass or rude, but these guys are the cockroaches. The cockroaches have just stepped on the scene. And the cockroaches will not go away. And down south, because maybe the temperatures, we have a lot of cockroaches. So I know exactly what's going on here. And these guys, we're just introducing them this morning, but we're going to see them again. So we see that he had the king's letter, but not only did he have the king's letter, he had the king's army. And Nehemiah says this, the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. And I wanted to point this out because when Ezra, let's go there to Ezra 8, and we'll have it on the screen, verses 22 through 23, there's something that takes place, and I'll end it pretty quick, I promise. But listen to what Ezra said, and I think this is amazing, and it should be a good lesson for us. For I was ashamed to request from the king troops, and horsemen to protect us from the enemy on the way. Because we had said to the king, the hand of our God is favorably disposed to all those who seek him. But his power and his anger are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter, and he listened to our entreaty. Do you see what's happened here? When Ezra went... He didn't want to take the armies with him. Yet King Artaxerxes said, I want to send the army with you. And Ezra said, no, because if I tell the king that I need the armies, I'm going to just really say that God's not strong enough. And so he chose not to do that. Instead, they fasted and prayed. Well, we see Nehemiah is different. And then Ezra said, because God had given me favor, the hand of the Lord is upon me. Now Nehemiah is saying, because the king's armies are with me, the hand, the hand of God is on me. This is the lesson that I take from that. Is that we don't always do the same thing. So often we write because there's success. We see hundreds of books written for the moment of success. This is the way God says do it. Now do it when God may not be speaking that for the moment. For our moment. And even in Cornerstone's history, God has done some pretty cool things up to this point. But God is getting ready to do some really cool things, cooler things. I wouldn't say cooler, just different. We can't rely on what has been done in the past. But the one thing that we can rely on is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when I get those hundred emails that tell me how to grow a church, 
And I'm hitting delete a hundred times. I'm doing it for a purpose. Because God has something special for us. And God's hand is upon our church. But we have some cockroaches that want to speak against the work. And that is okay. But I want you to know. Don't let it be from your mouth. Let it be from the outside. Let outsiders complain, but within this house, let us just seek God and ask Him to do something awesome amongst us. And I want to say this to you, that when God gives you a plan, and you have waited upon Him, and He has given you the green light to do it, you have the angels of heaven behind you to do what He's called you to do. And I will say this, I don't go there very much and don't try to go outside of context of Scripture, but I see it right here in the Scripture. I've experienced in my life, when God gives me the go-ahead, He is behind me 100%. And so whatever God has for your life, He has got your back. Just like He has Nehemiah's back. I remember looking over the city we are in, Adirne, Turkey. And I would take walks by myself. And, you know, you're dealing with a Muslim nation, 99.8% Islamic. And you're like, Lord, I'm in a city of 150,000 people, only two believing families here. I don't see what you're going to do here. And I would kind of get away, and then I would get in the cornfield, and I would look at the city because you could see it. Like, their hill was higher than the highest point in Wisconsin, just so you know. It was high, not too high, but you could see the city. And I began to think, God, this is huge. Not that those people are evil, because I don't believe they're evil. But the spirit that is blinding them is evil. And Lord, I am one man standing in the gap for this whole city, for 150,000 people. But I believe that you can move, and I believe that you want to touch lives with the gospel, the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. And so then I would put my headphones on and do Chris Tomlin. But what is that song? The, the God of angel armies is always by my side. And I would just sing it away over the city, over and over again, every time when I got fearful. And you know what happened once when I was doing that? A bee stung me. And I was like, Satan, get behind me. It hurt. It hurt. And I was singing in the midst of, Lord, you know, there's just things that will always stick with you. That was one of those things. I think it still hurts if I scrape it the right way. But I knew that God had a plan for the city of Dirne, Turkey. And I knew that in my own strength, in my own power, I could do nothing. And I want to declare that God has something in store for Cornerstone Church. If we walk in our own power, and our own strength, and our own craftiness of mind, we will fall on our face, and there will be times that we will fall on our face, but we will get back up to fall on our face again before the God Almighty and ask Him for help. And so this morning, I hope that encourages you. And so if the worship team could come forward...